Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My name is Eunice Adubango. I'm a mother of three boys. I'm married to a man. He sends his greetings today. I, I work in several places. I run the Eunice Culinary Institute, the Eunice Kitchen, Talitha Kitchenware Store. The last time I came to New Dawn Camp, I realized I didn't introduce myself. That was like terrible manners. Please forgive me. I've been following most of the sermons that have been happening this season. And there was a lot of prophecies last week. But I want to tell you that this week there will be so much teaching. So it's important for you to be very alert and attentive. The instruction that I want us to take away today, after all has been said and done, after the sharing of the word has been done, is that we need to turn every word that we hear here or every word that we read in the Bible over and over in our minds, in our hearts until we hit the bull's eye. How many of us have seen people try to hit the bull's eye? Playing darts, trying to throw, to hit. I want us to make sure that we turn every word over in our hearts and in our minds until we hit the bull's eye. That is until the word becomes flesh and dwells in you. Until you get to that point, you may not be able to draw out of so many of the scriptures that we will read here and so many of the things that we will do here, you may not be able to draw out the most. When you look at the picture that is on the screen now, you will see that there is so many black spots in the white areas. That is the number of times the person really tried to hit, really tried to hit. And yet in that particular picture, they still didn't hit the eye. So there are so many scriptures that you have read so many scriptures that you have tried to memorize and maybe the reason you're not getting the most out of them is you've not yet hit the bull's eye. How do you hit the bull's eye? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 to 21. It says, My son, Pay attention to my words. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. For they are life to all who fight them and health to all their flesh. So you've got to one, pay attention. You've got to find yourself 
in a situation where you use your ears as far as the word is concerned. That same particular scripture that you're trying to hit. And then when you're paying attention, you don't only pay attention with your ears, but also with your heart. And then he says, don't lose sight of my words, meaning look at them, look at them, look at them, and look at them again. Because the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So it means that every time you look at the word, you're in essence looking at God. So if you look at God long enough, you'll be able to figure him out. You'll not be like the Israelites who misunderstood God's emotions. You know, when a child comes to you and says, Mommy, I need this, and you say, No, I won't give it to you. They will come back again and say, Mommy, I need this. They can get to a point where they nag you that you will just say, Okay, have. It doesn't mean you wanted to give them. They nagged you. So the Israelites came to God and they said, We want meat. And God gave them the meat, not because he willed to give them the meat. And the Bible says before they swallowed, it was coming out of, ev out of every pore on their body. Every hole. Because they misunderstood God's emotions. So don't lose sight of God. Don't read that as don't lose sight of my words. Read it as don't lose sight of God. Don't let God get out of your focus. The way you watch over a two-year-old... You know how we watch over two-year-olds in our services? Because she might run here, run there, run there. The way you watch over that child is the way you should watch over God and even more. And then it says, let them penetrate deep within your heart. Your ears, your eyes, your heart. And then there will be life and health. Today we are going to consider a scripture that we all know. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. And I want us to search this scripture, to turn it over and over until we've hit the bull's eye. And I hope that by the time I put down this microphone, everyone in this place, everyone that is watching will have hit the bull's eye on that scripture. Because it will take us places if we hit the bull's eye on that scripture. No, last week I was doing meditation, still looking at God, looking intently at God. And I read a scripture that I've read so many times, so many times. And this time I hit the bull's eye. When I hit, I got scared. Because you know the scripture that says, even though Jesus was God, he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he lowered himself to the point of dying on the cross. You know, I'm meditating on that scripture. And many times I've meditated on it. I've seen humility. I've seen, you know, those things, you know, every time, every time. And this time it hits me. That if the Bible says that Jesus was in the very nature God. And I have been grafted in. I'm in the very nature God. I'm scared. I'm scared up to today of all the possibilities that Eunice can be. 
I'm still turning that scripture over in my mind, in my ears, in my heart because it, it, it blew me. So I want us to turn this scripture over and over because the heading of my sermon today is Ego Saints in Prayer. The Bible says, have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is, ever, is an everlasting God? The creator of all the earth? I wouldn't say you've never heard. Maybe understood, but you've heard. Because all the songs we've sung here today are talking about how God is an everlasting God. But have you understood that he's an everlasting God? Have you understood that he's the creator of the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. There is a, a version that says his understanding is unsearchable. And there is another version that says his understanding is undoubtable. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Perhaps this is one of those scriptures that those of us who are veteran believers, you know veteran believers, eh? Those of us who have been here for very long have memorized. But I don't know if we've hit the bull's eye of that scripture. When a wise man tells you he doesn't understand something, it's important for you to consider what he's talking about. If a wise man tells you this is something I don't know, you already know he's wise, and yet he says, I don't get this. And he's not wise by human standards, but he's wise of God. Then you need to understand that there is something you need to listen to. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 19. We have a wise man. His name is Solomon. And he says that there are three things I don't understand. Yes. Four things I can't wrap my head around. And in verse 19, he says that the first thing is how an ego glides through the sky. Other version says the way of an ego. How a snake slithers on a rock. How a ship navigates the ocean. And how a man loves a woman. A man who had so many women says he can't wrap his head around how a man loves a woman. And then you don't listen to such a man. You have one woman, you have failed to understand that one woman, and then someone has thousands upon thousands, and then he says he has failed to understand, but he's wise, and you don't listen to that man. This gentleman, Solomon, says he doesn't understand the way of the ego. And yet God is telling you in Isaiah, you see, we, the, the scripture starts by introducing to us a great God who doesn't grow tired, who doesn't grow weary, and then he tells us he will make us like egos. Why doesn't he say, 
They that, you know, they will mount up on whatever like angels or like me. Because he is already strong. Are we together? He has told us that he is strong. He's from everlasting to everlasting. And then he's saying, if you wait upon me, I will make you like an ego. The ego that Solomon says he doesn't understand. And then for you, you keep reading that scripture and you never try to find out about the way of the ego. The wisest man doesn't understand it. You are also not trying to understand it. You're not going to hit the bull's eye on that scripture unless you understand the way of the ego. Because when you understand the way of the ego, then you will actually desire to wait upon him. Then you will actually understand why God does not say he will make you like a pig because you love pork. He will make you like a cow because your, your family has herds upon herds. He will make you like whatever. He says he will make you like an ego. There are so many things that I know you've heard about the ego. Especially about the way it flies and the way it hits that, that thermal energy and the way it comes up and the way it spreads its wings. But today I want us to look at two things about the ego, only two. And I know when we do those two, we'll hit the bull's eye. The first thing is the sight of an ego. When you research on the ego, you realize that an ego can see two miles away. An ego sees about 3.5 kilometers away. So when the ego is here, who knows where 3.5 kilometers is from here? About Ntinda. So when an ego is here, it will see that far. How, how far do you see? <laughs> okay. Actually, they say that an ego has eight times, as, an eyesight eight times better than a human. Eight times better. When an ego wants to focus, uh, the other thing about the ego is it only weighs 4.5 kgs. But its eye is the size of a human eye. It sees eight times better. When an ego decides that it is going to pick up something from the lake, especially fish, it will see that fish three and a half kilometers away, but it has the capacity to keep its focus on that fish until it picks it up. How many businesses have you started and you, you, you don't know at what point this whole thing stopped? How many times have you said, I'm going to start my children on this program and you don't know? How many times have you set out to pray until something happens and you have no idea? The ego, you know, they say that it has a way in which its eyeballs keep altering and focusing and changing the curvature until it actually picks up that fish. An ego is the only thing that God created that can look directly in the sun. It doesn't need sunglasses. 
it looks directly in the sun and it can fly directly towards the sun. Now, scientists say that the eye of an eagle can make out so many different colors that we do not even know of, but it's only the eagle that knows those colors. So since it doesn't speak, it hasn't been able to tell us. So if you had the sight or the vision of an eagle, this is what they say. It says, they say you, you could be able to see an ant crawling on the ground when you're on a 10 storied building. If you had the sight of an eagle. You could be on, a, on Mapera, which one is that? Eh? The, the URA Etawas. And you could see an ant. Do you know an ant? And you could see it crawling. And you could say there is an ant there. If you had the sight of an eagle. If you had the sight of an eagle, you would be able to directly see the objects that are within your sight and you would see them magnified in inconceivable shades of colors. You would not struggle with simple things of life. You know, the sight of an eagle is not to help it to see where the food is, to help it see where the road is. It is to help it see further and deeper. The eagle's eyes are not directly on the, on the front. They are, all, they are in the sides. And with that, they can see 360 degrees. So if you had the vision of an eagle, you would see what's at the front. You would see what is in the sides. You would see what's at the back. So nothing would take you unawares. Nothing. That is the sight of an eagle. So when God says, if you wait upon me, you will mount up on wings like an eagle. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. He's saying, I'll give you vision. I will help you to see things better than, you know, there is a man in the Bible who Jesus was healing of, you know, I think it was the disciples, they were healing him of, of, of um, blindness. And then they asked him, what do you see now? And he says, I see men walking like trees. You see, when your vision is poor, even when you enter church, you think we are men walking like trees. That's why you do not love people in the house of God. Because that ego doesn't look at people like this. It doesn't look down on people. An ego focuses on the person and understands that this person is uniquely made in the image of God. Because an ego has been high in the sky. It has been so near God. It sees like God. It doesn't think we are men walking like trees. It's able to love people. It's able to love its children. It's able to understand its wife and its, its child and whatever. They say an ego, a male ego, is the only bird that takes care of the eggs and protects them and will kill anything that comes in an egg. So if a man in this place studied an ego, and the way the ego protects its family, they wouldn't do things the way they do them. That is how, as a husband, you mount up on the wings. Let's talk about the love life of an ego. When an ego wants to marry, it will come and it will spread its wings out to the female. And if the female likes it, they will fly and go high up. And then on their way down,
down the first time, the male ego will be on the back of the female ego and it will be scratching its neck. And they'll come down, and they'll come down, and they'll come down. And just before they hit the treetops, they'll go back high up again. And then they'll come back down, and the female ego will be on top. And it will scratch its back, scratch its back, scratch its back. And then when they're about to hit the treetops, they'll go back at that time. And then when they come back, that's when they met. And they said that egos met for a lifetime. For a lifetime. It's one man, one woman for an ego. Now, they say that when they finish mating, they join together, they are close. They join together, they are close. And then they look for a rock. Egos build foundations. They build on rocks. So they find a rock. Actually, they say that the male ego sends the female ego to find a rock. She considers a field and does what? and buys it. Now, they say that these are the characteristics of the place where the ego builds. The rock must be near a stream because you must be planted by the waterside, yielding your fruit in the right season. Because if you do that, your soul prospers. It must be near a stream. It must be way out of sight. Because there is something called dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. And they said there has to be oil near that rock. Because egos keep coming and oiling their wings. They keep oiling their wings through their lifetime. That is the Holy Spirit. And egos make sure that the rock is near a hive of bees. There has to be some honey. There has to be something to drink. There has to be the word of God that you eat and you find that it is sweeter than honey. And then the eagles will go ahead and they'll build its nest. Ladies and gentlemen, eagles' nests are 4.5 tons. Eagles' nests. They are 2 to 4 tons. Let that sink in. The male ego will go into the tree and will get tree branches and will come out and to build a nest. And then they will get the fur which they get from all the animals they kill and they will put into that nest. And then it will put some white spruce or some white branches on top of that nest so that if they are returning home in the night, in the dark, they will be able to locate that nest. And then they give birth to the eaglets. We probably have heard how they train the eaglets. How when the eaglet is about a year or so, they first start by building for it its own nest. And then they tell it you need to leave. They put it in its nest. They allow it to come once in a while for food. But after some time, the mother ego says, no, you can't stay here anymore. That's a lesson for parents who still take care of their 30-year-olds. So the eagles start to train the eaglet. They pick it and put it on the edge of that rock. The mother first picks it, puts it on the edge of that rock and lets it fall. 
The eaglet is scared because it thinks it's going to really fall. They are trying to teach it to fly. But the father eagle is high up in the sky and it can see 3.5 kilometers away. So as this young eagle is trying to flap, 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 the father eagle comes and gets it just in the nick of time before it falls to the ground. That process is repeated between 10 to 15 times. By the 15th time, the eaglet can fly. They learn by working. A time reaches and the eagles become tired and old. They say that some eagles live for 70 years. But some live for 120 years. Now, depending on how long the eagle lives, what I'm going to say happens to it. If it lives for 70 years, then at 40 years, it is tired and old and weary. If it lives to 120, usually by 60, it's tired. They say that actually, its, it's, 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 it's wings are tightly held onto its chest. It can't flap anymore. The beak is so weak, it cannot search for food anymore. The talons or those nails are so weak, they can't scratch anymore. Ha. people the Bible tells us that we need to look to the rock from which we were cut because when the ego is old it looks for the rock where they met it that's where it goes that's where the ego goes it doesn't matter how far away it has flown it goes back to the rock where it all began and then it starts the process of renewal. That is, an ego gets renewed at 60 and becomes as young as it was at zero years. That's why God says, you renew your strength. So the renewal process is slow but sure. For some egos, when the wife is around, the wife actually does most of the process of renewal. For some of them, they have to do it by themselves. So the beak is the first to fall out, but it doesn't just fall out. The ego must go through the pain of getting rid of that beak. So it will hit that beak as many times as it can, meaning the ego can decide to be renewed or it can decide not to be renewed because it has to decide to go through the pain or to say, I will not start to see this kind of blood. So it hits its beak. There is blood. There is sweat. There is so many things until the beak comes out. And then it takes almost a whole month for that beak to grow again. After the beak has grown, it uses that beak to pluck out its talons, to pluck out the nails, because now the beak is strong enough to get out the nails. So it goes through the painful process of removing those nails. And when the nails are done, it waits for the nails to grow again. And then it uses those nails to pluck out all the old feathers. It takes a process of five to six months for an ego to be renewed. Are we getting close to the bull's eye? Are we getting close? It reminds me of that scripture in Exodus chapter 23, verse 25. 
to 31. Where as it comes on, I will just paraphrase it. I love that scripture. It talks about how God told the Israelites that I could not let you win this war at once. I could not let you get all the promises at once. Because if you got into the promised land, the way it was, wild animals would have eaten you. He said, I led you slowly by slowly. Let me tell you something. If you've heard about the sight of an eagle, you need to understand that everyone sitting here and every believer across town is at different places of plucking out. You don't know who is plucking out a beak. You don't know who is plucking out feathers. If your sight is like an eagle, you won't judge people. You won't judge people. Because you don't understand if all the feathers have been plucked and they are cold and naked. You won't understand. That is the way of an ego. So how is the ego saint in prayer? There is a famous scripture we love to read. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. I want to talk about knocking. There are so many realms of prayer. But I want to talk about the realm of knocking. Because it is about knocking that beat so hard. Until the old gives way to new. You see, if I need some salt and I just... You know, I have a neighbor next door. There could be a wall here between us. And I can say, I need some salt. And they could just pass their hand without me seeing them. And they will give me the salt. And they will have given me. I could try to seek them out. I could try to understand where that salt comes from. I could try to peep through the window. I may not see the source of the salt. But when I knock and knock and push and bang that door a time will reach when that door will be opened and when the door is opened I'm in a large place because then I can face the king of kings I know where everything is coming from I know where everything is being manufactured now when I come face to face with the king of kings the waiting starts you know ancient kings when they would be waiting upon them, someone would be holding something and fanning, you know? There was nothing like, I'm tired. They looked at the king so intently. Anytime the king's face changed, everyone was bothered. What is wrong? His face has changed. If the king was happy, everyone was happy. If the king was sad, everyone was sad. They sat there the whole time. What do you need, my lord? How can, you, how, how can we serve you? Is there a battle we need to fight for you, my lord? You know, she was talking about in her teaching about fighting for God. You can only know which battles God wants to fight for you if you are waiting upon him. Because then the door has been opened. There is no veil, there is nothing. And you're facing the king of kings. And you can see his emotions. You can see when his face has changed. You can see what he's saying. You can even ask him and say, oh, I wanted a car. I thought there was only this and that and that. Lord, you mean there is also that type? And he will say, yes, you just never knew. 
when you ask from on this side and you never knock to break down the barriers and get on this side, you not get a chance to wait. You not get a chance to wait. When you wait upon the Lord, he superimposes his strength, the things that make him God. He puts them on you and you become as like God. That is why Moses, the Bible says that his likeness became like an angel because he waited on God. He sat and he had God. He listened to God. When God changed, he changed. When God said, I need this, he changed. When he was able to understand the entire plan of God because he was on the inside. And God is saying that is how he wants you to be. He wants you to be able to mount up on wings like eagles. He wants you to be able to be here today and be able to know what investment is working tomorrow. Because your eyes can see farther than anyone can see. He wants you to be able to see a scripture and get meaning out of it more than anyone else can. That is the meaning of seeing so many colors out of the one thing. So he says, have you not known have you not heard that he is an everlasting God? And yet that everlasting God is saying, if you wait upon me, I'll renew your strength like an eagle. For a very long time, the dimension we saw in this scripture was the encouragement. You know, it encourages you, okay? It makes you feel like God wants, to God wants to make you like, you know, even if you're youth, you won't grow weary. You will run and you will not faint. If you wait upon the Lord, he will renew your strength. He wants to make your sight better. He wants to bring you to the rock that is higher than him. Than you, sorry. He wants to bring you to the source of the oil. He wants the power of the Holy Spirit to infuse your inner man. That is the place of an ego saint in prayer. You know, when I began to knock, there was a season in my life <laughs> when they said I had asthma. I had asthma. Actually, anyone who was with me in Iganga Girls knows that I was an asthmatic because I had asthma. And it always struck when either we were going to do an exam or I had a math competition to go for or something like that. And I did my literature paper one on my sick bed. I had tubes and stuff in my nose and wherever because I got an attack. Every time I went to hospital, they said they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. But every sign that you know that is asthmatic was on my body. I spoke over my life. I prayed so many things. I declared so many things until I got on campus my first year. And a friend of mine said, but Eunice, it's weird. You pray for people for healing and they get healed. You lay hands on the sick and they get well. And the Bible says that all authority has been given to you. How can you have that kind of disease in your body? I got into the inner courts. I knocked. I knocked and knocked because I wanted to come to the bottom of this. Because there are certain things that even declaration will fail unless you come face to face with God and get to know the mind of God on a matter. 
So this one time I pray and God tells me, go home and just start a conversation with your dad. So I go home and I just start a, com- a casual conversation with my father. You know, just talking. And then my, my father says, but Eunice, you amaze me. You're like my grandmother, Eunice. She was always sickly. By the way, I was always sickly, apart from the asthma. Two weeks wouldn't go by without me having malaria or something. I always had my body inhabited sickness. As, you know, that, that was the, the, the given. And so my father starts to say, Are you, you're exactly like your grandmother, Eunice. And so I ask him, you mean she used to be sickly? He says, yes. I say, under what circumstances did I get this name? And she says, you see, my grandmother really wanted to give her name to one of my children. And you were born premature. I was born premature. But my grandmother was dying and she had decreed that she really wanted to see the child. If the child is a girl, she wanted to name the girl. So in my premature state, they got me from hospital and brought me to my grandmother. And she made all manner of declaration and she passed on her name together with everything that went with it. Now, you see, I was in a congregation where they told us that the only way you get links with names, what is through your name? Naigaga, eh? what? You know, eh? So I had broken everything and I had bound everything and I had decreed and had named things and all kinds of things. And I had no idea there was a prophetic something that happened that day. It's when I got into the inner courts that God started to reveal to me. I remember just telling my father, thank you. You know, God had sent me on a mission. You see, as you wait upon the king, he will send you on missions. He will start to direct your footsteps. The Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man are directed of God. God cannot direct footsteps that he can't see. You have to be in a place where God can see you so that he can send you. I was telling my mentees the other day we had a retreat and I was telling them, see the Bible says in John 1 that there was a man sent from heaven, Jesus, okay? And I asked them, I I told them I want you to consider the fact that perhaps you were sent. You were not born. You were sent. You were sent from somewhere. You were sent to that family from somewhere. I'm a woman that was sent to that magical family. I wasn't born in that family. I'm a woman that was sent. When I start to understand, when I hit the bullseye on that scripture, I treat my sisters differently. If they don't have capital, I will give it to them. If they post something on Facebook for someone to buy it, I will amplify it because I have been sent to that family. I didn't come here to do my own things. So can you consider that perhaps you were a woman that was sent to that man? You were not born. You're not walking as men, walking like trees. You're not a tree. Tell your neighbor, you're not a tree. You're not like a man. Who, you're not walking like trees around here. You were sent. Now, how are you going to know what to do tomorrow if you never stay in the courts of the one who sent you? How are you going to know what the agenda for today is if you never go to the one who sent you to say, Lord, I want to know what we are supposed to do now. That is what waiting is. You wait. You come every morning. You see, there are scriptures we keep on talking. I hear, yes, we say we are daily loaded with benefits, people. The benefits are there. There are some people that are loaded and they leave it to slide off their back. So
So it is not true that because your day is loaded with benefits, you are walking like a person of benefits. It's such a truthful. You have to walk every morning and ask God and say, Father, in this your room, which I'm, I'm looking at that benefit and that benefit and that. You don't just ask God fake. You get into the Holy of Holies and you see all the different brands and the colors and the sizes and everything. And you say, I shall take that one today. You don't just send a gala motor car. Don't just ask. Knock, knock, knock. You know, as I kept knocking, God revealed to me a certain prayer that I want us to pray today. He told me, Eunice, you can pray prayers of sabotage. You know what prayers of sabotage are? You know how to sabotage an enemy. You do it before they do it. I wake up every morning and I say, I shall never know cancer. I shall never know poverty. I pray prayers of sabotage over my children. They shall never know lack. They will not have marriages that fail. I sabotage every kind of marital breakdown over my children. Because every day, like when people started, I hear the economy is going to be bad over voting. I prayed prayers of sabotage already. I'm not going to wait for the economy to be simanya, what, what, what. I see what is happening in the heavenly places. You have to get heavenly news every day. Agocha. Do you understand? Agembobia. Agatari fufu. But how are you going to be able to see that news if your eyes are blood? If when you get into the heavenly of hell, even Jesus is looking like a man walking like trees. Jesus wants to fix your sight. Tell your neighbor, he wants to fix your sight. You know the other day, <laughs> he fixed my sight. When I started to, to consider the fact that I am in the very nature God, I considered this scripture, you know this man who, who went to Jesus and he wanted Jesus to heal his, his child. And he told Jesus, he said, even me, in my smallness, I'm a man of authority. Eh? I said to one, go, and they go. I said to another, come, and they come. He told Jesus, just speak the word. If the Bible says all authority has been given to you, and then the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick, and then you are sick in your bed, and then you have to call Unisad Bango to pray for you, and yet all authority has been given to who? If you are the sick, you can lay hands on the what? And they will be made whole. Because he that is in you is greater than the devil that is in the world. He is greater. He's greater. So one of my landlords was starting to move us. I hear I want to move this kitchen from here. I hear move it there and then move this one here. I just woke up in the morning and I told God, me, I don't want to be disturbed. I want you to do something about this. And then I go to Mukona and I ask my people. I say, so what did the landlord say? Because I found them still working in the same place. And they said, the caretaker said, I would have to landlord, the Gambia, I would have to warn you, but they came up with a gala. Because all authority has been given to me. 
let me tell you something, people. Let me fix your crowns. The Bible says kings will come to our rising. Not paupers. Muntagera. Are you, are you understanding the coded language? Muntagera. Kings serve me. If kings can serve me, eh? if royal priesthood can serve me, Guani, who are you not to serve me? Eh? That is when you can stand like David and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Defying the armies of the living God. Because you have hit the bull's eye on that scripture. You know, I thought being humble was when people, when kings want to serve me, like when Chris said, Eunice, how are you? I'm running to the parking to pick you. I'll say, oh, no, 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 no. I'll just come. I stood and waited for Chris to pick me. Because kings serve me. I serve kings. Are we together? I cannot just be there. You see, the problem is we are so used to paupers serving us. So even when kings come to serve us, we refuse the service, but kings come to our rising. You know this morning when that person called me, from out of the blue, I wanted to do my hair. I had so many things. And she said, where are you? I said, I'm in the salon. She said, is there anywhere I can serve you? I wanted someone to pick out a book for my mentee for graduation. I said, yes, there is a way you can serve me. I want to pick a book from Arisok and this is the title. And she sent me the book. And then she said, worry about other things, not this one. And then in my mind, I said, but if I didn't worry about that one in the first place. The Bible says, do not worry about anything. I didn't worry about that one. Katiata, you want me to worry? I don't want to worry about anything. Because the Bible says, I should not worry about anything. So, you've got to turn over every word of God in your mind. Turn every possibility of the word of God. the very nature of God. I'm not going to give that up. But you can imagine God created. God is big. God is amazing. He just calls for things. He speaks things and they are. And then I'm in that very nature. God never made any mistake in investing. Are we together? How can you stand in the congregation of many and say, I misheard? Or you say, I didn't understand? Or you say, I invested early? Or you say, I invested late? God wants to make your eye like the eye of an ego. That is what we call the prophetic eye in business. Are we together, people? Because an ego's eye is like a microscopic eye. It sees so much farther than any other eye. And then it is strong. So the ego goes on to spend another 120 years. That's why me, I'm still here. So I tell my enemies, Mulabye, Kuba Wendi Wano. I am here. Because even if outwardly I wear, inwardly I get renewed. And then the inward renews the outside. Because I spend time with my father. And then he renews my youth like what? Like an ego. Children of God, during this season 21, make a decision to face God. The Bible says that those who get the most out of God are those who look intently in his word. Are we together? Get a micro 
let me tell you people, there is such a thing as overreading the word. It's there and it's okay. Overlooking at God too much is okay. It's better than not seeing God at all. David says in Psalms chapter 5 verse 3, he said in the morning, oh God, you'll hear my voice. David used not to pray from outside the courts the way we do. Why do I know that? He says one day in your what? So he would go to the courts of God and God would hear his voice. And then he would wait in expectation. Do you know why? Because he would have seen Ngababi Ogedeko. You know there was a time God was talking to me about honor. <laughs> and I said, God, I'm going to show you in every form that I honor you. I clean properly and shower properly and I even change. Because I'm going to do business in the courts. Era, era. I just learned makeup last year, and I think I need to up my game. Take a go makeup, Brunji. Because you see, you're entering the holy of what? Where there are the 24 elders falling down every time and saying, Holy, holy, holy. So, what if falling down time comes in Gokuna Mebot? If you don't feel anything about that, it means you've not yet experienced the actual real presence of God. You're dignified like this. When I was in my primary five, I got born again in my primary five in 1990 on 26th of July. I walked up to that place to get born again with just one friend of mine. I don't know if she's here today, Victoria. And we were good friends, so each one of us thought we had walked to the front because of the other. It was really personal. Each one of us has walked our personal walks. I remember I started to get to understand certain things about my family, even at that young age. My father's family is full of very bright people, very bright girls. But none in my father's house had ever gone past P7. Nobody. And I remember as a young girl, I didn't even understand warfare. I didn't understand anything, but I remember making a declaration and I said, I'm going to go past P7, and when I go past P7, I will have opened a way for everyone. And that's how it has been. You know, for me, the PhD is not so much about getting the PhD. The PhD is about breaking certain things because I'm a woman who was sent to that clan. So I endured and I went through all the grilling things about the PhD. Not because I wanted to, but I want you to consider once again, people. Tell your neighbor, perhaps you were sent. Perhaps you were sent to Uganda. Perhaps you were sent to that child. Perhaps you were sent to that woman. Perhaps you were even sent to this church. Perhaps you were sent. When you understand that you don't live like someone who was born. You were not just born. So let's go back to our scripture. And read it with understanding. Let's go back to that Isaiah. You know when you understand those things you become like Isaac who planted in the year of famine. <laughs> and he didn't just reap tenfold. So, 
Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He's the creator of that land, the creator of that company, the creator of that man, the creator of that child. He's the creator of the earth. He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. There is the old strength, people. There is the strength of yesterday, children of God. There is the strength you've been walking in this entire season. The prayer, the way you know how to pray it. What will they do? They will fly on wings like eagles. They will see things that are not as though they are. And then they will declare them. You know, sometimes you've been in a place where people will say, I see. And you just be like, with this business. And say, go to God and pray that scripture. Because you can't say today that you don't see and hear. And tomorrow you don't see and hear. And the next day you don't see and hear. And the only thing you find in this scripture is encouragement. They will run and not grow weary. They will start businesses and they will grow and grow and grow them. They will walk and not faint. I want that to sink in. I want to know if there is anyone in this place for which they feel that exposition has helped them hit the bull's eye on that scripture. And yet there is more. Go home and study the way of the ego. And then come to God and tell God, I want to minister unto you until this becomes my way of life. Start to see the way the ego sees. I mean, you see at the front 3.5 kilometers, you see in the sides, you see, the, you see at the back 3.5 kilometers. I told the people at, at downtown the other time how the Lord revealed to me that death was coming to my house just before Christmas. We've got to learn to knock until our knees start to bring some blood. Because even Jesus knocked until his sweat turned into blood. So we are going to rise up today. Let's rise up on our feet. And I want us to pray some prayers of sabotage today. And make it a habit to pray prayers of sabotage every day. Say, I will not know poverty. 
I will not know cancer. My children will not know cancer. What you have into, you're not even supposed to know them. Because the Bible says that those things attack the house of the wicked and they never even come near your tent. You don't know it. You just wake up in the morning and you see on the news. You don't know. You have to decide not to want to know. Not to just fear and say, oh my God, every time they say, women, check your breast, you're, you're, you're even fearing. Eh? I know women who fear to go for the pap smear because they're like, hey, what if I can, they will find out. Let me just be here. The Bible says he will not let his holy one see decay. Is there any decay in your business? Is there any decay in your children's lives? Is there any decay in your personal life? If you're the Holy One of God, He says He will not let you see decay. I'm not going to crank you up or anything. If you want the Lord to come through in your life, begin to raise a battle cry right now. Begin to raise a battle cry over your children, over your family, over your finances. If, if you are broke, put your hands up and say, Lord, I work and your word says you bless the works of my hands. Here are the hands right now. Present them to him and say, Lord, they are here. Bless them. But if there be any reason why these hands are not being blessed, Father, reveal it to me because I'm here. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.